This is Gesher, the podcast that's bridging the gap between the Jewish and evangelical Christian communities with conversations that matter. Here's your host, Ty Perry, with the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Gesher. If you've been listening lately, you know that I've been featuring interviews with people who've been affected by the October 7th attack by Hamas in Israel and the subsequent war. The testimonies and footage of that attack are heart-wrenching as we've been watching the news coverage on our screens. But for most of us, it remains a tragedy thousands of miles across the ocean. For Israelis, though, it's something that happened just down the street. Several years ago, while doing some pro-Israel advocacy work at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, I met Sivan Ovid. At the time, she was serving with a Jewish agency as a campus Israel fellow working to strengthen the ties between Jewish students and Israel. Today, nine years later, Sivan lives with her husband and children at a kibbutz near Sterot, just seven miles from the border with Gaza. She's here to tell her story. Sivan, welcome to Gesher. Hi, Ty. Thank you for having me. Well, Sivan, it's uh, it's an honor to reconnect with you after nine years. I still can't believe that it's been that long. Likewise. Um, so much <laughs> has happened in our lives and, and in the world since then. But um, I want to get right to talking about the attack, Hamas's attack. Where were you on October 7th or, or when, when you first heard about the October 7th attack? Yes. Yeah, so unfortunately or fortunately, it depends on how you look at it, um, I was in Zderot, so I grew up, I was born and grew up in Zderot. My parents, when they moved to Israel, decided to stay there. And uh, it all happened when I was 14, the Qassams and Hamas and the rising of terror organizations in Gaza, etc., etc. 20 years go by. And I live in a kibbutz near Zderot because when I got married and decided to start a family of my own, I told my husband that, that I won't be able, under any circumstances, to live in Zderot, carry a child, going through pregnancy, mm. uh, especially having a newborn under rockets. And it's not like we have rockets every day. It's the it's the the terror element. Like it can happen any minute. Sure. And so we moved to a kibbutz nearby. Um, and we, we had a Shabbat dinner with my mom. So since I don't, my, my dad passed away a year and a half ago. So since then we really, uh, uh, make sure that someone stays with my mom on Shabbats. We don't leave her alone. It's a part of our family culture and commitment to my mom. So me and my husband and my four months, uh, baby were there. And my husband just told me, you know, you're already here. You're a bit tired. It was midnight. We were watching the show after dinner and everything. Maybe you just stay here. And I never stayed the night at my mom's house. Mm. Never. Because I'm afraid to sleep in the road. I always go back to my kibbutz. And on Shabbat morning, on Saturday morning, we return. We have coffee and breakfast with my mom. That's the ritual all the time. Sure. And my husband start to convince me like stay here stay with your mom i'll come first thing in the morning 7 a.m and i don't know it's like okay and it's it was honestly the first time i spent the night with my baby and my mom mm. because when i had my baby my mom used to come to me because i i, I wasn't able to be with my newborn in the road sure. although she has a bomb shelter and everything so I stayed the night at my mom and I wake up 6.30. We stayed at the bomb shelter at the safe room because it's the it's a custom. If you're having a baby, you always spend the night for the entire of your life in the safe room okay. just in case. And just so and people it, know, most Israeli homes, everybody has a safe room because this type of thing can happen. Yeah. yeah, so in Zderot, everyone has a safe room. It's a project made by the government in okay. 2013. It was added even to older houses okay. because you cannot survive in Zderot if you don't have a safe room. A lot of uh, governmental money were invested in this, almost a billion shekels mm. or mm. something like this. In the contrary of what's happening in Gaza, I, I mean, because the money of the government there is not used to protect civilians. Right. So I wake up in 6.30 to most familiar voices and noises 
of um, intercepting rockets of Iron Dome, mm. falling rockets on houses, launching because we were so close to Gaza, like less than half a mile. In Zderot, we hear the launching and the landing and yes. the interception. So we hear the whole scenario. First thing comes to my mind, okay, I'm, I'm in the bed with my with my four months old mm. baby, like, can't even describe. Yeah. First thing come to my mind, first fr fracture of a second is, okay, they started it off a surprise. It's, it's a whole surprise. No uh, Hamas terrorist was killed the other night. No conflict, no news, nothing like absolute terror. Mm. In a blast of a second, I say it will last for 10 minutes, like it's all like it always. Mm -hmm. I'm starting the car after 10 minutes and I'm running for my life because I'm not staying here. Okay, it's Saturday morning, it's a Sukkot Simchat Torah holiday. Mm -hmm. It's like someone will bombard the, 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 like the USA or the Christian community the night after Christmas. It's yeah. like, it's craziness. It's pure evil. People are celebrating. So it doesn't end in 10 minutes. And I know Zderot. I was born there. I know Hamas for 20 years and Islamic Jihad and all the other organizations that are shooting. They never shoot longer than 10 minutes. Hmm. So what's happening? Why are they keeping sh keep shooting? And something in my mind starts to tell me that there's something different here. I go on WhatsApp groups of my friends and they're telling me, oh, we also have it. And it's 6.30 in the morning and my friends are living in Tel Aviv and Natanya and Kiryat Ono mm -hmm. and Herzliya. I was like... Much farther from the Strip. They for those never start firing for Tel Aviv. It's like right. they're they're saving it for, for worse. What has made them shoot to the Rot Ashkelon Tel Aviv and all of Israel in one minute? Mm -hmm. There's something else going on here because I also served in the army in the northern Gaza Strip. And I know that if they are using or spending all of their most uh, facilitated weapons in one time, there's something going on the ground and they're trying to um, the, uh, like turn the, I don't, I don't, I forgot the word, to disguise what's oh, happening. Okay. Okay. Like they, they've done it before when they kidnapped uh, Gilad Shalit in 2006, mm -hmm. they fired hundreds of rockets in the sky to try to disguise what's happening underneath. And they actually managed to kidnap. So I was like, yeah. they never shoot more than 10 minutes. They never shoot to Tel Aviv on the first second. It always, it's it's like chronological, it has levels, something's happening. Mm -hmm. And it's 15 minutes passing, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I don't ever remember in 20 years of rockets since 2001, I do not remember 30 minutes of firing rockets. Oh. So I understand that something horrible is happening. And first call of my husband, I, I pick up the phone and I was like, oh, what a huge mistake. And he's like, I'm so sorry I convinced you to stay. And on the other end, like, I'm with my mom, so maybe... I don't know. It's meant to be. And we're talking about the rockets. We don't know anything yet, but we have a, a tiny baby. And I, and I was like, what a mistake. What a mistake, Dan. My, my, my husband's name is Dan. It, it's, it will be over in 10, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, the most. And I'm, I'm, I'm taking the car and my mom with me and the baby, Michael, and we will go to the kibbutz and we'll go to your parents in the center of Israel or something. And, and it's not over. They keep firing for almost 40 minutes or so. And uh, then we start to get like um, 
all kinds of uh, conspiracy, we think, conspiracy messages, uh, texts of friends in Kfar Aza, our friends in Beiri, our friends from the kibbutz, and, and one of my friends in my kibbutz says, uh, they're saying there are terrorists inside Kfar Aza. So that was the first message. Hmm. And what do you think when you hear that? Do you think... Fake news. Yeah. I can show you the group. It's a group of uh, maternal leave uh, girlfriends mm -hmm. in my kibbutz. Mm -hmm. so her sister living Faraza. So she she makes a forward on a message that her sister sends her, and it says, "Terrorists in Faraza." And then my friend Michal says, "It's my sister. I forwarded one of my sister's text messages." Mm -hmm. And we're like, "Michal, it's fake." All of my friends, like, it's fake. Yeah. And we had penetrations before of, of terrorists all the time. But it was like uh, amateur, three terrorists, mm. two terrorists. It's nothing new. Even mm -hmm. when I was a child, I remember before there was like tactic fence and stuff. Oh, terrorists crossed the border. Terrorists trained from the sea. Terrorists came on a, a, a rubber boat from Gaza. Like, we had those kind of stuff. Sure. It's not like, okay, terrorists in Faraza. Okay, three people maybe try to cross the fence. Okay, the IDF will take them over. And, oh. and, and then I think my mom starts to get, like, text messages and then the mayor of Zderot sends a community on the community app. Okay, so we're talking about a city of 30,000 people. Yeah. We're talking about a mayor that holds the job for 10 years. So we're talking about serious stuff. And he texts on the community app, on the city's application, uh, dear civilians of Zderot, please remain in your houses, close the safe room door and don't make a sound. Mm. There are terrorists in the city. Wow. And so that's when I started throwing up and I thought I was about to die. Mm. So I throw up for like an hour straight. That has never happened to me. I have been in uh, frightening situations before. I had rockets. When I was a child, we had no bomb shelters, no alarms. Mm. So I used to walk in Sderot and rockets used to fall. So in my understanding, I had, I, I feared death before. I confronted death before. But I realized on Saturday morning that I never confronted death, as a matter of fact, yeah. until that moment. And then I start to get video clips. The news in Israel still don't know anything. The news in the world still don't broadcast anything. It's about seven, seven, ten minutes past seven in the morning of Saturday. And we start getting video clips of trucks in my neighborhood. Mm. I, in, 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 a, in two seconds, I recognize the street, the house, the number of the street, the neighborhood. I was like, uh, it's here. Oh, and that's the entrance. And that's the police station. And that's the supermarket. And that's the library. Wait. So one, two, four. how many trucks are there in the road? And I see terrorists wearing black, uh, a green ribbon of Hamas, Kalachnikovs, grenades, RPGs. Mm -hmm. Tens of them in one truck, outside the windows, on the roof, on the rare truck. I was like, it's here. It's, it's, it's outside my window. And I start to lose it. And that's, I, I like, I tell my mom, like, I, like I was speechless. Mm. First time in my life, no words. I, I'm throwing up because my body feels that it's about to die and when a body enters a survival mode like the most extreme survival mode like in the jungle like 10,000 3,000 years ago it has to throw everything it has because the the mind the, the brain 
realizes it's going to have to fight really hard now to survive. And you have a little one with you. you that I'm breastfeeding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That depends solely on me. Right. So, obviously, my husband is having a panic attack that he's far from us. He sees the pictures. He doesn't want to tell me what he really knows because he doesn't want to frighten me, but we're under occupation. We have been, like, taking over. So I send my my friend from Sderot, who is a mother of five, by the way, but she's a paramedic. So mm. I know she's she has uh, the WhatsApp group of the life of the life. Um, security forces okay so because she's a paramedic she has the special uh groups and messages of the life saving forces i'm like Liav, are there terrorists in Sderot? and she doesn't reply and i see she's online it's like Liav, are they really in Sderot or am i daydreaming mm -hmm. she doesn't reply i was like Liav, i can see her online i know you can read my messages can you please tell me what's happening? And she's like, I didn't want to tell you, but they are attacking the police station and they have murdered all the police officers. Oh and we're a small town. So think about it in America's like terms of a small town of 30,000 people that has been taken uh, the police station, the fire department, which is right next door, which where my uh, good friend's husband was murdered, mm. Evgeny, he was a firefighter going on a shift on Saturday morning. They have murdered all the police officers and all the fire department's mm. warriors. And that's it. It's a small town. You don't have an army. Right. You don't have another police station. It's not New York. Okay, it's not even a small town in America terms. It's a very small village. Yeah. And then my mom says, she doesn't know the truth. And my mom is very hysterical and she's over 60. I don't want to make her get a heart attack, right. even though that's where we are. It's a, either a heart attack or being taken to Gaza because we're starting to hearing through my friends in the kibbutzim, that they are taking people hostages to Gaza. We still don't know anything about the atrocities, about the rape, about the murders, about the abusing, torturing. We just know that they have entered kibbutzim. We know that they are killing. We know that they are burning people, that they're burning houses. And we know that they take people hostages. Well, we still don't know anything. We don't know that the fence have been totally broken. We don't know that Gazan civilians are entering and right. raping and stealing. We just know that there are several, I, I don't know, kibbutzim that have been uh, under attack. Mm -hmm. We don't know that all the kibbutzim around us and that bore and that uh, main roads were closed. So one of my uh, friends that have been murdered, Dolev and his wife, they tried to do the same thing. They thought the alarms were over and they went on a car with their two little uh, uh, girls, uh, two and four years old. And they said, okay, let's go to our, uh, to my mother-in-law in Rishon Lezion. And on their way out, they confronted the terrorist who murdered both mom and dad oh and didn't kill the girls, not because they have morals, only because the girls were hiding underneath the seats. So the, the main roads of people trying to escape and soldiers trying to enter, not the city, I'm talking about like main highways. Yeah. So they blocked... Uh, the whole area, which is, uh, that's why we, we understood that we were under, like, occupation for the next several hours. Yeah. So my mom receives a message uh, from her sister that one of her uh, colleagues lives in Sderot and tells her 
um, she sends a photo shot of him saying, the police officers in Zderot are begging for reinforcement. They are, uh, not a lot of them are left. And my mom, due to denial and 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 hard and she she was uh, struggling to 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 confront this information she was, so she tells me what a nonsense she looks at the phone my sister's colleague is saying that the officers in Zderot are calling for help this is it's it's a uh, who's spreading this fake news yeah. fake news and i already know the truth and i'm telling her yeah, no way mm. the police station will be taking over. Of course, it's nonsense. She's like, why are people spreading fake news these hours? Mm. And I already know the truth. Right. My goodness. So basically, this is 7, 7.30, uh, and it's being... Uh, continue. I mean, it, it 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 has been like this. Every uh, fracture of information in every several minutes. This our neighbor was driving uh, his uh, Saturday routine uh, morning trip with his motorcycle, and he got shot. Mm. He lives next to us, Avi, and he has four kids. And I'm not telling my mom because I'm afraid of her responses. She's having like a meltdown. Yeah. And we start to see on Facebook because uh, the situation is that there are no life uh, uh, saving forces. Mm. Okay. No security forces. People are seeing terrorists in their street and they're calling the police. But there is no police. They took over the building, murdered men and women police officers and took over the station, turning this Derot police station into their uh, headquarters yeah. oh. and, and, and speaking to all the terrorists sent to 22 Kibbutzim and Ashkelon and Kiryat Gat because they wanted to occupy until Kiryat Gat. So it's uh, a large territory and people are calling the police. And no one answers. And if someone answers, it's a it's a Hamas terrorist mm. in your hometown. Can't so imagine. imagine September 11 people calling the police and, and Bin Laden answers, hi, what do you need, New Yorker? Yeah. We're taking over the city. So that's the analogy. That's the feeling as if Al-Qaeda took over the, all the NYPD right. station. Ugh. This is what happened. This is the analogy for Americans to understand because this is what happened. People are calling to save, to, to ask to save their lives and the terrorists are picking up the phone. And the next station is the fire department and people are like, okay, the police are not replying. I'll call the fire department. And and the same case in there too. All the warriors of the fire department murdered. Mm. They're picking up the phone there. So you start to feel like you're in a Hitchcock yeah. movie in yeah. the worst way where you are with your kids on a holiday and you're calling the only people that you know that can save you and, and your nightmare is picking up the phone. Yeah. Only after that, I think in hour two, we realized that they also killed and murdered all the soldiers in the region. Mm. So I served there. And I was like, okay, but where's the army? Because my friends from Kfar Aza are telling me, Sivan, I hear shooting outside. I hear Arabs calling. I hear Allah Akbar. I hear screaming. I, I smell smoke. Where is the army? And I was like, no way. I served there. I know like how many how many soldiers supposed to be in how many time can they reach the 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 scene of event yeah. what's happening and we understand we still don't, don't hear about the party but we understand that out of 300 400 600 700 soldiers that's supposed to be there 100% of them are dead okay so 100% of the platoons men women 19 year old 20 year old Teenagers that just joined the army, okay, the observant, 
tanks, the warriors, the tanks. And then we start to see uh, like bases taking over with Palestinian flag. And so what it does to your mind or the psychological element is is beyond something I can explain. Yeah, I can't so even it's, the only analogy I can give is like on September 11, you see the Pentagon with a Palestinian flag and terrorists taking over the Pentagon. So the only rescue you can hope for is also taking over and that's it. And your life is going to be over. And, and I, and I start to think that either I'm going to be dead if they enter my street, that is not the worst option, but it's the best option because mm. I can, I've, I probably would be tortured, raped, forced to see my mother, my child tortured as well, and then maybe dead or kidnapped to Gaza. So I start to think in a way I never thought a Jewish person would ever think again, but I start I start to think in Holocaust surviving means yeah. as, as if I'm calling my brother uh, Jacob, how do I open the attic in mom's house? Because mm. I need to hide my baby there. Or I start to check all kinds of cabinets or I lift the bed to see if I can hide my baby there in a way he won't suffocate. So so around 8.30 when we start to understand that hundreds of soldiers are dead, the roads are closed. So every tank hammer, uh, every soldier or police officer, officer that tries to get and save the, 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 the scene is being killed. We understand the numbers of hundreds, if not thousands of terrorists uh, entered and invaded the area, not kibbutz, not city, it's a region, region. It, it's a state, if in American story, a yeah. state, a small um, region. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to think how I'm saving my baby, hoping he won't cry, hiding him in a very dangerous, harming way for him, mm -hmm. hoping that when the IDF enters a few hours or a day after, they will find him like in the Holocaust, like exactly right. like in the Holocaust. Like I know that, that, that I will have to sacrifice myself in order to maybe... Uh, let my mom and my baby hide and tell the terrorists I'm the only one in the house and I'm willing to make this sacrifice. But, I mean, that's where my mind is at Saturday morning, 8.39, because I know they are entering houses in Zerot. I know they have killed my neighbor. I know they've killed Dolev and Odea, my childhood friends, next to their two infants. And I know they've killed the elderly uh, pension people going on a trip next to the public library. They mm. killed like 80 year, years old women going on a vacation in the head. So I was like, I'm next. And I'm looking in the people of the yeah. door, yeah. just waiting. And all of a sudden I start to think, oh, there are no bars in my mom's house. But even if there were bars, because I'm asking my friends from the kibbutzim in Faraza and Beri, and they're like, if if uh, if you have bars, they will burn the house and burn you out. Mm. Uh, same way they did in Benghazi, by the way. It, it made me remember that the ambassador that right. was in Benghazi in the protected house, and they were in the safe room of the safe room of the safe room. And what they did eventually was to burn the house and burn them away. Same so thing. it's same thing, same terror, Al-Qaeda, Taliban, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, Benghazi, Afghanistan, Libya, whatever, yeah. Gaza. Yeah. So. So you, you eventually, obviously you're safe, but how, how did that happen? I mean, you're, you're looking through the, through the peephole waiting uh, do they, I'm waiting. They, they pass your home? So my parents' house is a um, dead-end street. Okay. On the one hand, 
it's it's good because it's not on the road. You have to uh, actively enter the the street. On the other hand, a dead end street is a street you'll have to go house by house, right. and then a house by house on your way out. So it's a 50-50. If they enter the street, they will kill everyone in the in the small street. And if they just cross past it, then we're safe. Um, nothing but God these moments. Mm -hmm. This is also the mutual feeling of everyone I've spoken to in these moments because it's the first time in our history, not the Jewish history, because we have had times like this where you are left alone, yeah. capital letters alone. No world assistant, no security forces, no army, right. no army for the Jewish state, no police officers, no one, no one, and the only one you can hope for the savior of is God. So that's yeah. the only, only thing you hope for is for God to hear you. And, and eventually that's, I mean, even people that define themselves as non-religious don't practice. I'm sure that in their last breath, breath or, or in the moments before they were saved, they knew they had no one to turn into yeah. other than God. Right. And, and in a way, it, it simplifies the meaning of, of, you know, a lot of things that the Jewish people have been through. Yeah. Because I'm sure that in the Holocaust, the, the rabbinites and the very secular people at these moments that had nobody uh, looked up to the sky like, please. You're my only Help hope. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Literally the only hope. First time in my life that it was literally the only hope for thousands, tens of thousands of people that day. So we turn off all the lights, of course, survival mode, no air conditioner, uh, no coffee, no running water no uh, water in the toilet, make zero noise. Mm. Uh, shaking, obviously, the physically, the physics situation in that day was horrible. Uh, shaking, sweating, throwing up, up hearing the, the shooting outside our window. Sh you know, a, a Kalachnikov shooting, it's not right. rockets. You literally hear like weapons outside your window and you don't know and you hear the fights of the, the, the people that, that had weapons in the road, they're trying to, to fight the, ter the terrorists. And um, we turn off all the lights. We don't drink. We don't eat. We don't turn AC. We don't turn television. We don't turn anything. Uh, my battery ran out um, at a point. I didn't have a um, charger. So we're in the... You know, and your mother, she knows by this time. She knows that, that it's I always here. try to keep facts from her. Mm -hmm. Like Bobby Pariante, and my mother was a teacher for 40 years. So one of her students, Kobe Pariante, uh, was murdered in a in a he was in a running team. He was uh, you know, that was his hobby, mm -hmm. running Saturday mornings. Him and Naomi, another um, woman from Zderot, were murdered at uh, zero distance. Um, so I try to hide these things from her, but she's on Facebook and she's like seeing things. I don't see she was able to comprehend at the time because it was it, it was unreal. Right. So big. It, it hasn't unreal. happened before. And this never, seems unbelievable. Never in the history of the Jewish people, not right. on Jewish land. Right. I mean... Holocaust and then the state of Israel for things like this to not happen. No one could even imagine, imagine in his worst nightmares that something like this could have happened. So yeah. I think a lot of people were over and overwhelmed with 
information that they were not very able to comprehend mm -hmm. that that your neighbor was murdered your uh former student this mother this friend uh, my my mother's friend daughter and you know it's 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 not something you can bear yeah and uh okay so we're uh getting uh messages sometimes from our mayor we know he's outside he just put up his vest and went outside to try to fight the terrorists mm. We're constantly texting with my friends from the kibbutzim. Actually, very close friends of mine are from Erez, Faraza, Niram, and Beri, which are four kibbutzim around. Erez and Niram emergency teams were able to uh, kill the terrorists. They tried to invade their kibbutz in Faraza and Beri. Unfortunately, we know suffered atrocities, murders, yeah. uh, you know, burning kids alive and all kinds and i'm speaking to my friends over there uh, only to find out two days later with them that while we spoke their parents were murdered mm. their brother was murdered with his two kids so while we're speaking even they don't know because they're married they have their own house with their kids and their parents live there and their brother lives there and so we don't even know and uh it starts to get dark the hours go go by very fast that day like and i i see it's 6 30 in the evening and i was like it's 12 hours past the invasion how come they did not finish this event and yeah. we are hearing that they are still having fights in faraz and barry still entering houses doing mm. the, the most horrible things that that I can't even call them human beings right. that these monsters monsters can do. And I still hear my friends. They're burning the house beneath me. The, the, uh, um, my wife can't contact her dad. And like it's 7 p.m. I can still we, we still know that there are terrorists that are in Zderot. They are uh, some of them are hiding in the police station. So they bring a D9 tractor and they're uh, destroying the police station building. And then the terrorist escapes. Mm. So, so we're in a psychological um, movie, a thrill, if you like, yeah. that we don't want to be that we don't want to be in. Right. And it's getting dark, and still the same orders: remain in your houses, turn off the lights, don't make any noise. We don't have all the terrorists yet. We don't even know how many terrorists invaded. Mm. Some of them can even be on their way to Tel Aviv. Some of them can hide in my backyard. Right. I don't know. All the platoons of the Northern Gaza IDF platoons were killed. So you have to re, re, uh, like repost all of those. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and then when the night falls, uh, they start the launching of the rockets massively, massively on the road, trying to hurt the security forces efforts of um, locating, locating the terrorists. Mm -hmm. uh, my baby on that day slept a lot, mm. surprisingly. Thank God. Some psychological psychologists I've spoken to told me it's uh, it was his way of helping me or a natural reaction. He slept during the whole day, mm. like a lot. Just ate and slept and ate and slept. No, no uh, games. No, uh, you know, interaction too much. And he and he also kept sleeping at night, but the massively launching of rockets that night made him like i i couldn't sleep obviously no one in Zderot could sleep yeah. i imagine a lot of people in israel still can't sleep till this day and i see his body uh shrinking or jumping out of every uh, -huh. uh rocket out of sleep out of sleep he he just like his body is making this irrational uh reaction to the to the bombs, to the, the explosions to yeah. the bombings and i look at him 
And I say that that is exactly why I didn't, I wasn't willing in any way to have children here. And it's a sad thing to say. And most of my friends, if not all of them, do have kids and families of five and four and three. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able. I see his body jumping. Why did why does he deserve it? What on earth did he do to to have to live this experience of thousands of rockets on you at age of four months? Yeah. Something that the body cannot handle. Right. A body of a baby that is supposed to to build himself and and build up the brains and the neurons and the muscles and the posture and he has to deal with explosions over his head of missiles it's crazy to anyone thinking about it it's just crazy yeah so morning comes still massive launching launching of rockets and we still get messages that there are terrorists in the city next to the cemetery they're hiding in houses in ditches i don't know and uh, it's nine and it's 10 and it's 11 and i tell my mom that if we don't leave Sterot now we won't be able to leave because they have launched rockets for almost 12 hours straight in in order to kill the soldiers that are coming to the region to to repost and rebuild the the forces in the area. And so they've stopped around 10, 30, 11. I tell my mom, if we don't leave, I don't know when is the next time we we will be able to leave. Uh, I heard ambulances got hit. I heard no police station, no police cars. The army is having trouble to still confront the, the terrorists in Faraza. So we're talking about 24 hours yeah. after it began. I'm telling my mom, this is something we have never experienced. We've been through all the wars. Sure. Either, either when I was a soldier or as a civilian, as a citizen of Zerot. Mm-hmm. I'm telling my mom, mom, this is not something we know. Not cast lead, pillar of defense, protective edge. Nothing like it. It's something else. Let's get out. I cannot be here. My milk isn't sufficient because I'm in deeply stress. I cannot, everything I eat or drink, immediately I throw up. I need to to feed my my baby. It's it's dangerous. He, He doesn't get what he needs. I can't feed him because I don't have anything in me because my body can't handle it. And my mom is super freaked out, uh, traumatized to her bones. So she's like, um, let's wait, let's wait, because she can't make a decision. Right. I was like, pack a bag now. You're leaving and you're probably not going to be back here in months. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's, it's another round, three, four days, three, four weeks, whatever. I'll be back. I was like, mom. You're not going to be back here in months. And this is her home. Yeah. Okay? She's a 62-year-old woman. Who, you know, like 60-plus people that can leave their house for a year. And like, yeah, it's a war zone. I'll look for a place to be. I right. mean, it's crazy to think about. And um, alarms go off here and there. I tell her, we're not buckling Michael, my baby. We're not putting him in a safe seat. Listen, this is what we do. You're sitting in the back seat. You're holding him tight. And no matter what happens, you don't let him go and you don't look out the car. Because mm. I didn't want her to see bodies and crashed cars and burned cars and blood. Sure. And 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 that was the, the, the mission. I, I told her, you're not... Uh, we're not opening the window because even if there's an alarm, I'm not stopping because the terrorist could be hiding in the public uh, bomb shelters. Sure. If I see a terrorist, I'm running him down. So be, yeah. be, be aware. I'm telling my mom, don't be afraid. If I see a terrorist, I'm running him down. 
if there's an alarm, we don't stop. And I'm going to drive 150 miles per hour. Mm. And you close your eyes, you hold the baby tight, and let's do it. All of this time, I didn't mention my mom is and my sister is with her boyfriend two streets from us. She had terrorists in her uh, street. They have a dog. They used to make him, they needed to make him and themselves pee in the safe room because they couldn't even go out mm. the safe room for toilet, to drink, for the dog. So they stayed in the safe room for almost 48 hours. And by this time, I'm telling them, you leave with us. And my sister, she's shaking. She can't even pick up the phone. She's, she's telling me, I cannot drive. You leave, rescue yourself. Let's hope we'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And all the streets is with special forces and terrorists inside houses. And she's crying because she can't. She can't drive. And even though she's two streets from us, that's the two streets where terrorists are still hiding. So I cannot go and rescue my sister. Right. I know I'm going into the into a trap. Mm -hmm. So we're talking to her boyfriend and we tell him, Yochai, you need to be brave. You need to take a risk. We know it's dangerous, but you have to leave the road now. And that's what we do. And we say farewell to each other. And we say, be strong, let's do it. And let's talk when we are in the next um, safe junction, next to my kibbutz, which is seven miles from the Gaza Strip. And, uh, and I tell my mom, let's go. And we lock the house, we go on the car and I drive like a psycho yeah. if someone would have seen me no bumpers no turns just driving 150 miles per hour seeing all of the city city's destruction on the way bodies minivans sprayed with uh, um, bullets uh, motorcycles on the, on the way, blood stains on the road, burnt cars, cars um, that got stuck in electric poles because their drivers were murdered, so they lost control of the vehicle. All of the, all, everything you can imagine about a war zone and we, all the lights of the roads were, I mean, red, green. You don't even pay attention. Mm. You just run, literally running for my life. Yeah. For the first time, unfortunately, running or driving for my life. And we get to the kibbutz. And I did this because I also knew that my husband, which was in this situation for almost 48 hours, uh, unable to rescue his wife and his son, which is his only mission in life. Right. He was in worse condition than myself I'm because sure. he felt so, so hopeless. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, uh, uh, unable to do anything. Yeah. And uh, so I knew that he was uh, on his way to get us. And I didn't want him to enter the road. And the way to my kibbutz is a lot of fields. So I know if terrorists are hiding somewhere, because the road has forces now, it's in the fields. So I'm taking the risk. And we made it to the kibbutz. And, uh, you know, a lot of crying. We met with my sister who arrived two minutes after us. Mm. A lot of uh, alarms. On the way, we don't pay attention. We see the rockets. We keep moving. And so the feeling in the kibbutz was also very weird. We are starting to get more information and comprehension about what's happening in the neighborhood kibbutzim, about what's happening for Aza, Be'eri, Niroz. We are shocked and terrified to our bones. We 
believe, we still hope it's fake news. We start to get images. We are in national shock. Mm -hmm. The whole country has never faced something like this before. I don't know which other country has faced something like this. I hope no one, but and uh, I'm telling my husband, I can't stay here. I cannot stay in the South, the place where I was born. My family was born. My grandparents are buried there. My father is buried in Zerot. I cannot stay in the South. Something has happened here that has never happened before. I want to go to your parents, to my parents-in-law uh, in the center near uh, Natanya. Mm -hmm near uh, Erzeliya. Yeah. It's a safe zone. And eventually we, we go there with my mom and my sister and my husband's ex-wife and kids because my husband has two older kids okay. from previous marriage. Uh, and they live in one of the kibbutzim too. Mm. And I tell him, this is a special time. It's nothing that we've ever experienced before. You tell your ex-wife and her family and the kids that we're all going together. And like this, a group of 20 people, five cars, we went in a, in a row to the center. And there we stayed for, 20, for two weeks. And I can tell you that everyone that came with us from the South we couldn't close our eyes for a second. Sure. We kept and we still keep dreaming that terrorists are coming to the house where we're staying, bombing the safe room's door with, a, with an RPG, yeah. taking us hostages to Judea and Samaria, to Ramallah, rape us, murder us, beheading us, everywhere we go, we didn't leave the house at all, but even in, in, in my mom, my mother-in-law tells me, Sivan, stop it, it's different here. I was like, no, they're coming from for us. Like it's, it's that is our state of mind. Yeah. Mm. So regarding psychological aspect, we're not even there yet. Like we don't even know how to, and when we will, you know, go back to our life, yeah. to, to sleep, to, to dream something that is not terrorist. Mm -hmm. and I'm speaking to my friends abroad, my friends from Vegas, and they tell me that even though they live in America, they were born in America, they have dreams about people, mm. Nazis, Hamas, entering their house, taking them, killing them, you know, well, let's, can we talk about that for a minute? Because um, you right now are, are speaking to me from uh, a European country, we won't mention which one, and you went there because you wanted to escape, obviously, what's happening in Israel, and yeah. yet you were telling me before we started recording the mindset of a lot of Israelis, including yourself, prior to going to Europe, about what they would face, what you would face outside of Israel, that that, that in some ways might be more dangerous than even being in the central part of Israel. Can you just briefly speak to that? Yeah. When, when I, for, I was in, in shock for, uh, for the first two weeks, a week and a half, like uh, nonstop. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. And I wanted like every night I used to tell my husband, I have to go, I have to go on a plane. I have to, and, and just to mention, I had a, a fear of flights before. Mm. In the past three, four years, I don't go on planes because I used to have a phobia, ah. which after facing a real fear of death, uh, completely vanished, really? by the way. But it's not a solution for, I don't, I don't recommend this uh, <laughs> no, treatment not. for anyone, but it's a side effect. So I'm telling my husband, I want to I wanna go somewhere, the East, like Thailand, whatever. And, and my, my brother, my older brother, calls me, you're not going anywhere. If I'll hear you're going anywhere, I'll come to the airport. I'll, they will arrest me because I would not let you go out of the country. My, my, my friends from the U.S. are telling me they are buying arms. They are buying weapons. 
things are gonna get serious for Jews outside of Israel. You don't leave the country. And he's like, okay, oh my God. And, and because I'm traumatized to my soul, I, I'm traumatized from anything that people tells me. Like, sure. okay, Hezbollah is about to attack. I, I, I lose my breath. Mm. Okay, if I go to Europe, okay, Berlin is not safe. I'm losing my breath. So like the feeling that that got into me and a lot of Israelis and Jews is that we don't have a place to be. That mm. the ring of anti-Semitism or, or anti-whatever is closing on us and, and choking us, okay? Because if I'm not safe in Israel, obviously, after what I've experienced and I don't have a safe any space in in the planet of earth right so what i mean what am i going to live on mars are we going to mm. to, to to populate what are we going to do what do they want from us mm -hmm. what have we done this is the feeling the feeling is that you don't have any place to go no island New Zealand, Australia is filled with anti-Israel protesters. Right, right. Every country in Europe, USA, Canada, South America, you start to think, you start to number countries and you see that each and every one of them has anti-Israel, anti-Jewish elements and protesters on the streets, hate crimes, signs, that's even before the kidnap posters and the ripping them off. It's it's in the first days right. you start to realize that as a Jew, an Israeli, you don't have any place to be. And, and also I'm seeing on, on social media, actually I'm unseeing, I'm starting to pay notice that a lot of my students who are Jews in Vegas and LA don't post anything. Mm. It's like, if nothing is happening, I'm texting them. I'm like, what's up? I'm texting their parents and their parents tell me I'm ashamed of my of my son. I don't know what happened to my daughter. They won't post anything, but they mm. post their Starbucks affair that day and their uh, what a baby shower, whatever. Is it fear? And Is it fear? Of course, it's fear. It's 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 exactly what happened in Germany. Yeah a hundred years ago where people thought that because they are secular or localized I see. and so it won't get to me so this it's not a it's not necessarily this student has a bar this student married a christian muslim whatever so it won't get to me uh, but what hitler did is he went at least three generations back yeah so you won't escape from it by remaining silent this is worse than anything that has happened to us is this happening again this silent and i tell them my non-jewish friends are speaking loudly than you cowards and i'm using these words because i'm super super angry yeah that you, that they think that if they live in america it won't get to them and surprisingly it's happening to them. Second of all, their kids, because of them, their kids won't be able to attend any Ivy college, yes. Ivy League college in the States. And it's not because of me or because of you. It's because of them. Sivan, I want to ask you just uh, in closing here. Um, first of all, thank you for sharing your experience. Honestly, I didn't realize when I asked you to come on the podcast, how closely connected you were, what your experience was. What we're seeing, though, is that throughout the world, initially international news coverage, and, and here in the U.S., um, it was on the side of Israel. And it almost seemed too good to be true, and it was, because what we've seen is very quickly the narrative turned, and now we have a lot of bleeding hearts for Gaza. And, you know, I... I to some extent, sure, I, I don't want to see any human suffering. But in light of what's happened, my concern is not Gaza. My concern is the Jewish people. Um, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of misinformation, and outright lies being circulated about Israel right now in the media, on social media. As an Israeli, what do you want the world to know that they're missing? So I am going to speak about Palestinian suffering. Yeah. 
or Gaza suffering in that uh, subject because what we're seeing on CNN, BBC, MSNBC is exactly what Hamas wants us to see. Mm. We all know, I, I hope that people that are listening to us know about the human shields uh, that, that, that the Palestinian kids and women are using for the terrorists. So I always said, when I used to guide delegations in Zderot more than 10 years ago, I used to call it a win-win situation for Hamas, for terrorists, and a lose-lose situation for the West. Mm. And it's going to happen the same uh, in the West. The West is next. It's a hashtag, but unfortunately, it's going to become reality. Yeah. It's a win-win situation because if Israel don't retaliate, they won. If Israel does retaliate, they won bigger right. because they have pictures of dead children. It doesn't even matter if it's uh, directed or not. I mean, if they directed the photo, if it's real or not. We know that civilians are being killed, not because of Israel, because we're actually losing soldiers and investing money and technology to pinpoint the terrorists. But they win even bigger because they have uh, what bleeds leads yes. pictures to show to the world. So that's something that the, the, the West and the Western mind cannot concept. Okay. Uh, one of the, the, the terrorists, he's a wrestler from Dagestan, one of the country that made the mob in the airport. They have a wrestler, a very famous one. And he posted on Instagram, uh, you cannot defeat a nation that knows that death is only the beginning. Mm. So this sentence has it all because how can you defeat a nation that is educating kids in schools that their target, their main goal in life, their most sacred thing that they can do is die. And that's only when they start living. Right. How can you win when you have all the Western world that wants to live and prosper and have kids and donate to the world and do good things? On one hand, and you have a few million or a several million people that wants to die only to start their life. So I think the only uh, uh, way is education and the West should interfere, be involved in education in the Muslim world firsthand on what's happening on American soil. Mm -hmm. Because I hear from my friends that they go to mosques and they hear in America anti-Jewish preaching sure. day after day. Not today, not because of this attack, All but time. always. So firsthand, check what's happening on the greatest nation on earth that is planned to be taken over by Islamic State. Islamic State is ISIS. This is the initial, initials right. of its. This is the, the, the goal. So I think what I want Israelis to, to, what I think Israelis want the world to know, I think they want the world to, to wake up and realize and start seeing parallel things between what's happening to Israel and what's happened in Madrid bombs and London and Marseille and Nice and Toulouse and September 11 and Boston Marathon mm -hmm. and, and, just one question they should ask themselves how many jewish terror organizations can they name right. and how many muslim terror organizations can they name they can have this question and debate with themselves and that's the only answer they need well savan i want to thank you uh for your taking the time to to talk with me um as you know i'm a i'm a follower of jesus and in the new testament he talks about uh, in the last days there being a time, um, frankly, uh, not terribly unlike what we're what you've experienced. And he tells his followers, he says, uh, "When I was uh, that they're blessed," and he says, "You're blessed because when I was hungry, you fed me; when I was sick, you clothed me." You know, goes through this, and they say, "When did we see you? You know, naked and you weren't clothed, and when did we see you hungry?" 
And he says, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren. Now, Jesus was a Jew, and his brethren are your people. And so as I hear your story, I, I can't help but think of those words and just think, uh, I want my Christian listeners especially to know this is the time to act. This is the time to wake up. It is the time to be a blessing to the Jewish people, uh, Israeli, American, wherever they may live, to be a blessing to them. And I, I've been talking with many, many Christians in, in the last month who have uh, expressed to me their sincere love for your people. I want you to know that there are, uh, with all the, all the media reports we hear about um, people who are pro-Hamas here in the U.S., and there are many, we shouldn't discount those. There are they so many. Yes, they should be. Reported. Yes, yes. Um, but there are many true followers of Jesus who uh, love your people and are, are stepping up and doing whatever they can to, uh, to help you. It warms our hearts deeply. I can honestly say it really, really, really means so much more than you can ever understand. Well, thank, thank you, you. Si thank you, Sivan, and uh, I, I think these days, especially, calls for a, a good Am Yisrochai. Amen. Thank you, Ty. You've been listening to Gesher, a ministry outreach production of FOI Equip your free resource for learning and engaging with the scriptures from a Jewish perspective. To learn more, visit foiequip.org. And for more information about Thai, visit foi.org forward slash Perry. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom.